The thing no one told me about writing a dissertation is that it would take a toll on my body. I think because the assumption isn't that you're going to be expending a ton of physical energy. Right. But. But. I spend hours and hours every day staring into my computer screen. And sometimes I go to bed and my eyes just never want to open again. Yeah. And then my head hurts. My corneas are just scorched. (laughs) Um. You needed Blu-ray. What are the wait? Oh, blue. Not, not Blu-ray. What, what are they are called? Blue light glasses. Blue light glasses. Yeah, I looked at those recently, and they're like not even expensive. No, they're not. And that would have been a very good idea. Months ago. Yeah, now it's almost too late. It is too late. I'm. I've got less than a month before I submit this thing. Um, and my eyes hurt, and my head hurts, and my your back and shoulders. My back and shoulders, especially when I'm like sitting at a table trying to work. Yeah. So I alternate between sitting at my table and sitting like in a papasan chair on my porch. Uh huh. Which are very different things, That's and so I can I can alternate between my back and shoulders hurting at the table or my knees hurting on the porch Take because back. they're tucked up under me. Um, but in any case, my eyes and head. Yeah. I'm wearing glasses today. I didn't have the heart to put contacts in. Do you think you'll be able to recover? I think so. I hope so. What will you do when you're done? Will you exercise? Probably. Will you bask in this? Will you let the sun shine I'm gonna, on your face? I'm going to touch the sun <laughs> with my hand. Will you, will you just get... What are you, I'm sure you're what? What is it? Vitamin D deficient? Yeah. I'm sure you're vitamin D deficient. I bet I am. You're going to just like crawl across the graduation stage yeah. are you walking in august yeah okay i always get mad at people who don't walk i don't want to i know you don't but everyone who loves you will want you to that's correct <laughs> it's a lot of work at least do the thing that will give you figurative you know closure how much the doctoral gown costs but jordan would love jordan thinks the gowns are the coolest they are but they're also a thousand dollars to own? How much can can you rent one of those? Probably, but then if I get a faculty position anywhere, I'm gonna have to wear that thing twice a year for the rest of my life. So price per PPW, price per wear it, it evens PPW. out. <laughs> I always consider the PPW with anything I Episode 216 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I'm going to explode. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Um, let's, I don't know that we've talked about the weather recently. Um, it's perfect, which it is, is probably why we haven't talked probably. about it. Probably. It's that six weeks or so yeah. where it's just always beautiful. Yeah. Truly, that's no, not an exaggeration. No, truly, truly, I, I say unto you, it is gorgeous outside all the time. However, there is one drawback. What's your drawback? More in Tallahassee than in Thomasville. Okay, I have one. The pollening. Oh, it is for sure here. My porch is yellow. There are two drawbacks then, in my okay. opinion, to this perfect time of year. It is the pollen, which is just this coat of yellow. It is, it is a fine dusting of yellow on every surface. Every surface. Um, 
The second thing that I think is particular to this region, although I am convinced that pollen is worse here than anywhere else, yes, um, is prescribed burns. Oh. Which I don't think, depending on the wind blowing, I don't think is as um, has quite the effect in Tallahassee. No, it, does it doesn't. Here. So when it is crystal clear is that when it's beautiful outside when mm-hmm. like there is not a cloud in the sky like today then they frequently will do the prescribed burns mm-hmm. which lest anyone listening to this like gets up in arms actually it's for nature yes. it is a it is fascinating if you mm-hmm. are curious it's something that has kept i think the trees alive in yeah. our neck of the woods these beautiful trees um but they do it frequently especially during the fall and the spring and I realized that they're doing it on the most beautiful days because that's when it's safest to do it. Right. And But then when the wind shifts, like one Saturday, it was gorgeous all day long. And then at like three o'clock, the wind shifted, almost like Mary Poppins. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it was still pretty, but this smoke in the air and the smell of burning. And yeah. I was like, well, now I can't sit on my front porch. And sometimes for a few minutes the smell of burning is nice because it's like a barbecue yeah and then it's overwhelming and then it's like it now i stop. have a headache and it's also just one note of burn yeah it's not like at a barbecue where you might it's have the brisket. charcoal smell but then also the meat <laughs> yeah and then also i don't know it's the just, rest of the outdoors just burning limbs it's just burning limbs yeah uh, wood tree, tree limbs tree not, limbs not human not human, limbs. not human remains see then that might be more than yeah. barbecue yeah that'd be worse um but i just and i hate to complain right so i won't because truly we, we live in a heavily forested region we do and you have to do those things yep it's just to, preserve the health of the yes. ecosystem it's just check the weather like yeah. sometimes i'm like oh it's beautiful and then i realize i need to sit outside in the morning not in the mm-hmm. afternoon or vice versa and i don't think i don't, that's not something i ever would have known until i lived here so i keep finding wasps on my oh, in, yeah. in my screened in porch yeah inside inside mine are on my porch but and so like i i understand obviously that there is there is a hole somewhere in the screen that i have not located yeah but it makes more sense to me that wasps have some kind of innate ability to like change their quantum state and pass through solid objects like, like screens. Like Paul Rudd. Yeah, a little bit. Like Ant Man. Like Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I watched a dirt dauber slash wasp build a nest on Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating. To watch. It is fascinating because they do shrink themselves up in a way. They do. That almost does change their state. Not quite enough to fit through you, the mesh the of a screen, mesh, no. but it seems like it because I don't understand how they keep getting in there, and then I just find them dead on the ground because they can't get out. Oh, sad. I know. We we had our goddaughter in town this weekend, and she was playing outside, and we were playing with sidewalk chalk. We were drawing, and she was like, "Bugs are gonna get on this," and I was like, yeah. "They are because we are ruining their ecosystem." <laughs> 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 like, we're, we're in their house. Like we're, That's what I said. I was like, we're in their house now. And she looked at me so like, what? But I think, <laughs> I think that all the time, like when I'm outside on my front porch being a spoiled, rotten brat because there are there's a wasp or it smells like smoke. Mm-hmm. Yes, Annie. This You're is outside. Not yours. Like, <laughs> this is not your climate-controlled living room. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. So spring. It's, it's the end of the month. It's the beginning of spring. Um, and so we're here to recap. The things that we got around to finishing this month. Uh, spoilers. I'm in that last month of that <laughs> dissertation grind. Um, I did read a comic book. Okay. Um, it was an X-Men crossover event from 2007. 
Okay. Called Messiah Complex. Mm-hmm. It involves time travel. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's all you needed. That's all I need to say. Um, that's what I read this month. Okay. It was a 16-part thing that I greatly enjoyed, and it hurt my eyes to read. Did you see Captain Marvel yet? Yeah, I saw it opening day. Did you like it? I loved it. Okay. Um, did you like it? I know you're a Marvel guy, yeah. but did you like it better than Wonder Woman? I think they're very different movies. Okay. Doing very different things. Okay. I liked Wonder Woman a lot, too, though. I liked Wonder Woman. Yeah. I'm curious to see um, Avengers Endgame and see how all of it's going to tie together. Look, my friends are big Marvel people, but I just, I'm going to be honest with you, three hours? Why? It's long. Even for me, I'm like, that's long. I can't go to the bathroom. That's what, that's what my friend David said. He was like, uh, could we get an intermission yeah. if it's going to be so three hours? And so I read weeks ago that they wanted to put an intermission in. A 10-minute intermission, like, after the first, second act or whatever. Yeah. Let the people pee. Hashtag let people pee. (laughs) Um, So I read some things this month. Yeah. And most of them were good. It it also felt like a wide range, but we'll see. Good. Um, So this first one looks like it's called Never Have I Ever. Never Have I Ever. Did you ever play that game? Of course. Um, So this is the new Jocelyn Jackson book. Okay. Comes out. She pumps them out. She does. I think one every two years. Okay, it seemed like one every one year, but maybe Almost maybe I'm just misremembering. Almost came out in paperback last year. Okay, okay, so two years. That's so, a good pace. Yeah, so I think she does about one every two years. But I do like that she is somebody that I can consistently rely on. I think a while ago somebody asked us, the authors whose canon we have read. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think unknowingly I've read Jocelyn Jackson's. Like, I've just read everything she's written. That's great. So I'm always excited to see what she puts out. Now... Um, Almost Sisters, I really loved. Her previous two, I felt like were meh. Um, Gods in Alabama, I think is one of my absolute favorites. Never Have I Ever, her publisher is really pushing or advertising as a departure for Jocelyn Jackson. And it is in the sense that it feels more like a commercial thriller um, than maybe her previous books do. But... My friend was asking me this. I actually think Jocelyn Jackson does write about dark things. I think her book covers... Are deceptive. Yes. Because I actually think, like, God's in Alabama, somebody is murdered and buried in the kudzu. Like... Great. Like, her books do deal with dark subject matter. So in in that description, I do not think Never Have I Ever is a departure. But it certainly is more commercially thriller esque than uh-huh. almost the Almost Sisters. Um, basically, this woman, kind of mysterious woman, shows up at this neighborhood book club meeting okay. and kind of threatens to expose people's secrets. At first, I the jury was out for me on this one because I was like, the stakes aren't high enough for uh-huh. me. Like it. The secret that was threatened to come out, I was like, just tell it already. Like, which I think is who I am as a person. Like, why are we keeping secrets? Just just tell it and you'll feel a lot better. <laughs> um, but I think for this character, keeping that secret made sense. And ultimately, through Jocelyn Jackson's really excellent writing, the stakes do become higher. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in a way that I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> wait, this the stakes went from being real low to now really high. Um but I thought this one was really fun, like really fun book, which is true of a lot of her works. Um, but if you are looking for like that thriller vibe that maybe I I know we hate like the gone girl tropes and the, and mm. the, 
and the comps. But but I think that type of book where you're kind of like, who do I believe? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Like, twists and turns. Um, I think Never Have I Ever is going to scratch that itch. And I, it comes out in the summer. It's going to be the perfect, like, beachside book. So I think she's doing some of the same things. So if you like Jocelyn Jackson, then you're you'll like this. Like um, but if you have not read her, I think this could be a fun one to start a with. Good entry point. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it was good. Um, the next one is Beyond the Point. So disclosure, just like I have done for Knox McCoy's book or um, Ian Bogle's book, um, I am friends with or friendly with um, Claire Gibson on the mm-hmm. internet. She's an author out of Nashville. This is her new book, Beyond the Point. It's her debut novel. Um, so go into it knowing that I know this person. So I didn't give like a star rating mm-hmm. on Instagram. However, this is a novel that has a deep sense of place that I really appreciated. It all takes place, or much of it takes place, centered around West Point campus, oh, okay. the campus of West Point. I was totally unfamiliar with West Point, meaning like I thought it was in Washington, D.C. It's not, everybody. It's in New York. Yep. <laughs> um, but I just have... That's how little, I want Mm -hmm. to stress, that's how little I knew about military colleges. Mm -hmm. It's how little I know about military training. And Beyond the Point does a really good job of letting you see, first of all, that there's still a war being fought. And I think we forget that. Yes. All too often we forget that. There are people still over there. Um, There are people our age or younger Mm -hmm. training to do that work that you and I are incapable of doing. Correct. (laughs) Um, So I really appreciated that Claire Gibson made these heroes really human or heroines as the case may be really human. Um, But the setting of the book is what I really loved the most. I just loved being on West Point's campus. I love campus novels anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's about three young women who head to West Point. It kind of shows the trajectory that led each of them there. And I liked that too, seeing what might bring Mm -hmm. uh, three people to choose West Point University. I don't even know if it's called a university. West Point. Um, And I loved kind of seeing their different trajectories. And they arrive... um, the fall right before September 11th. Oh, okay. And so then September 11th, 2001 happens and the career they thought they were going mm-hmm. to have at West Point really kind different. of changes. And I really loved that this isn't like a September 11th novel, but it is a book that shows how much September 11th shaped so many different people. And that's interesting because I wonder if in the decades following now... Um, if we're going to get September 11th novels the same way that we have World War II novels mm-hmm. that are not really about the event, but are right. in its context. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet we will. So I read, it's coming out this spring, if it's not out already, like the girl he used to know. Mm-hmm. And that book, you don't see it coming, but there is a September 11th um, there is a moment where September 11th affects that mm-hmm. plot, and you don't see it mm-hmm. coming out anywhere. I loved... Um, Oh, it became a Tom Hanks movie. I actually really loved the book. Extremely loud and incredibly Mm -hmm. close. Um, That to me, in my head, when you say like a September 11th book, that's what I think of. I think that's what most people think of. But I'm with you where I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it was hard. I I kept describing this as historical fiction. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, is 2001 historical now? And I guess it is. It is. It's 18 years ago. (laughs) That's a full adult. Yeah. On a lifespan. And so I loved loved her three characters. Mm -hmm. I loved watching them grow and change this is a novel at its heart that is about a place mm-hmm. and then it's also about these three friends and and their 
it's a coming of age in a mm-hmm. sense, which I, I, you know, I love those. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I think big departure here in the next one is Save Me the Plums. Yeah, totally different. This is Ruth Reichel's new mm-hmm. book. She she is someone I love, and I have not read the things you would have thought I would have read by her. Like, I've never read Tinder is the Bone. There's another famous one she's written that I've never read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read a cookbook by her two or three years ago. Beautiful cookbook. But it was filled with prose and her essays, mm-hmm. and I adored it. Like, I bought the cookbook. In fact, it is, I can picture it in my home right now. Um, I wouldn't get rid of it. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Save Me the Plums is her new memoir, really about her time at Gourmet Magazine. So she became editor-in-chief there. Mm -hmm. Again, I never read Gourmet Magazine. Mm -hmm. I was familiar with it. But I'm not like a Ruth Reichel fangirl. And yet. And yet. (laughs) How she writes about food is stunning to me. Because not only are her food descriptions beautiful? Mm-hmm. But then, much like Shauna Nyquist or um, God, Robert Capone, I think is another one I really like, she's able to basically make allegory of the mm-hmm. food. Like, she basically can connect her food writing to life writing. Uh-huh. And Save Me the Plum surprised me because I was fully anticipating food memoir. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's a little bit Devil Wears Prada about the magazine oh, okay. world. Like, so you get this kind of really neat That's glimpse fun. at the magazine world when it was at its peak, mm-hmm. before it crashed right. and Gourmet closed and um, shuttered, and and so it shows the the path of that magazine and that publication. And also, surprising takeaway for me showed how Ruth Reichel struggled to be a boss mm. and what it looked like to go from a writer mm-hmm. and a team member at a publication to having to be editor in chief. Yeah, and those I are different roles. I really loved that and was able to... I've said before that I sometimes struggle with nonfiction business books. Mm-hmm. Like I'll read half mm-hmm. and then I won't ever finish. But something I have discovered about myself, and I do think there's something to be said for the value of those books and I need to read them. Sure. Um, but I also find myself gleaning a lot of wisdom from memoir instead. Yeah. Um, and things I, that are like here's some some stuff I learned along the way yes rather than like here are all the things I learned yes and I realized while reading Save Me the Plums that I was really getting an insider's look at what leadership looks mm-hmm. like and, and the different ways leadership right. looked because she also wasn't Ruth Reichel was not a typical editor in chief right. um, and that's okay and so anyway this wound up surprising me in the best possible way it's out now I love it Save Me the Plums talk to me about Strangers and Cousins Okay, I will. Uh, <laughs> it is coming out this month. When it, it's I think it's April. April is what I think. Um, anyway, Strangers and Cousins picked it up because I was looking for some books to add to the literary lineup mm-hmm. um, of the literary luncheon talk I did last week, two weeks ago. And um, Strangers and Cousins was one of those arcs that was just like, literally near my desk and I was mm-hmm. kind of looking and I was like let me read the first chapter of that so like I read the first few pages and I was like oh, oh no, okay I'm after read the whole this. thing yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a book about um, a very quirky almost family fang-esque family who lives in this kind of giant falling apart old house and 
it's a wedding weekend. So it's got like all these things. All I love. those things you love. <laughs> oh, literally every box checked. Um, so the family is preparing for the wedding of their daughter, who is an art student. Um, she is very flighty and quirky and the wedding she's planning is really going to be this kind of political statement. She's mm. wearing, she's marrying her longtime girlfriend and she kind of wants it to be this almost like art show rather than just, just a wedding, I guess. Um, but you have, uh, this family who just captures your heart, like every uh-huh. family member you, I really did fall in love with. Um, you've got the husband and wife and you've got their young children the aunt who's lived there forever all the while this is also talking a lot about a town's identity so they live Mm. in this kind of tiny little town and they're contemplating moving they're contemplating leaving their home and selling their house and, and moving somewhere else even though their family has lived there for generations and so you're getting this look at what happens when a town's dynamics change mm-hmm. so in this case um they're considering moving and right when they are considering a big move they realize their town is about to be inhabited many of the homes are being bought by hasidic jews and what happens when a group of people moves to your town. Mm. Do you choose to stay? Do you choose to work and live alongside each other? Mm-hmm. Do the Hasidic Jews want a community of their own? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? So there's a lot about Jewish culture in this book that I found fascinating. Not just the culture of the Hasidic Jews, but in the book, um, the main family, they are cult- at, at least culturally Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, if not super devout. And so you get a lot about Jewish culture, which I found fascinating. The book is also, I just need to stress, I adored this book, but it is super weird. Like every, it's divided up into the days leading up to the wedding. Mm -hmm. And toward the end of um, each chapter, it gives like the moon's perspective. Oh, like what okay. The, what the moon is like. It gives a mouse's perspective who lives inside the house. I love it. It was so odd and endearing. Um, when I finished, I just felt like one of our customers has put it this way. She misses the people when the book yeah. finishes. And that's how I felt. Like I just really liked these people and now I kind of miss being with them. It sounds a little bit like Emily Fang meets like Frederick Backman. Yeah. Um, and For then sure also it's meets. Town dynamic. Exactly. And then meets something super weird yeah i can't figure <laughs> out the weird element because i definitely thought family thing i was gonna say like bjork okay yeah i i felt uh seating arrangements mm-hmm. by maggie shipstead like kind of all about the this wedding, wedding thing, weekend yeah. um definitely i understand the frederick bachman vibe because it is about this town um but there is this kind of just odd element that I also, at first I thought, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it felt a little too weird at first, but then I got the rhythm of it and I was like, no, I love this. I love everything <laughs> about this. So anyway, it's and not I'm, gonna, I'm so happy about that. It's not going to be for everybody, but it was for sure for me. I loved it. Strangers and Cousins. Tell me more about Inheritance. Inheritance is one I read again, kind of for kind of post literary luncheon. Also, it's one many customers kept kind of raving about mm-hmm. and it felt almost like educated where mm-hmm. I needed to read it so I could talk to people about it. Um, it's by Danny Shapiro, who I really like. She's a memoir, memoirist, essayist. Um, she's written several books and this one could have been just straight memoir and I think it would totally have been fine. But what I loved about it was it actually is a social science book really as well. Oh, cool. Um, because Danny Shapiro on a whim, takes like an Ancestry.com DNA test, sends in, you know, mm-hmm. her swab, comes back, 
and she realizes her the person she thought was her father is not her biological father. Interesting. Her parents are deceased, so she cannot ask them. Interesting. And those are sirens, everybody. Yeah. Those are Thomasville sirens. Um, we're doing it live. We're doing it live. Um, anyway, so she goes on this journey, and because she's a journalist and her husband is a journalist, they're able to very quickly solve right. this mystery. They have research skills. Yeah, in a way that probably you or I might not be able to, although I do consider myself a pretty big researcher. And I... And I <laughs> research for a living. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, I bet I could do but this. But I think... I think her connections mm-hmm. enable her to solve yeah. this mystery in ways a normal person off sure. the street would not. Sure. Um, so that, that's an advantage. And she acknowledges that advantage. Um, but really, not only is this book about her finding out who her biological father is, but she was raised, and this goes back to the previous book, she was raised Jewish. Mm-hmm. And she's realizing, wait, am I a Jew? Or am I not a Jew? What makes someone... A Jewish person. Lots of Jewish books this month. Yes. And so I really love that it was kind of her trying to grapple with, wait, who am I even anymore? And this is these dilemmas like mine are only going to increase as technology increases. Right. We're all sending out DNA tests to find out information. Maybe we weren't supposed to. We're gonna find out a bunch of stuff that we didn't know we didn't want to know. Yes. And so like when you put your child up for adoption, do you Mm -hmm. ask for that to be a closed adoption? Right. Did you know that it won't be closed now forever? Like when you donate your sperm, did you know it might not be the anonymous thing you think it is? Like and so and if you know it's not gonna be going to be anonymous, will you continue donating? Right. So anyway, all that's why I say it's very social science related too. Like you wind up asking yourselves yourself a lot of ethical questions about. Mm, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what do I think about in vitro? What do I think about these different things? And what makes us who we are? Right. So anyway, she's asking questions. Yeah, she's asking questions that I think many of us, if we haven't asked them already, we mm-hmm. might ultimately be asking. Um, and she does it in her way, which is. Profoundly well written, mm-hmm. um, very well spoken, thought out, purposeful. I really liked it. That's great. That sounds really good. It was good. Um, how about normal people? Guys, <laughs> Sally Rooney. Everybody was like, read conversations with friends, and I'm stubborn, and I was like, Meh, I don't need to read that right now. <laughs> Everybody else has read it. It's not a big deal. So I picked up normal people because uh-huh. I was looking at it possibly slight spoiler i was looking at it for potential shelf subscription jury's out by the way i haven't decided um but i picked this one up even though i had not read conversations with friends sally rooney is 27 oh which really just gets my goat burns me up (laughs) just makes me so mad she's so talented normal people i think under normal circumstances would have been almost a romance novel like one day so basically these two people meet in high school and they remain friends and off and on lovers throughout their college career post-college they just kind of keep coming back to each other almost like magnets like they're trying Uh not to but they but they're they continue to come back to one another. Yeah. And whether or not that is a healthy decision... I was going to say, I kind of hate those stories. Yeah, whether or not that's a healthy decision, you kind of, as the reader, have to figure that out. And uh-huh. they have to figure that out. Is this healthy? Is this not? But the way it's written just transforms it from like a typical, maybe will they, won't they, should they, shouldn't they uh-huh. novel to 
almost a little life territory. Interesting. Like the heft that she brings and the weight that she brings to the story. So intense trauma. Yes. I was not (laughs) anticipating. Um, I really did finish this book and almost feel like somebody had punched me in the gut. Like, like, Oh, how do I feel? I don't know how I feel. Like, I just can't stress enough how good I thought this was solely. The story is good. But her writing elevates it mm-hmm. in a way that I can't even really describe to you. Because when I describe the plot line to people, I think they're kind of like, okay, sounds fine. Great. Yeah. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's, I think on Instagram I said, like, what would happen if the place you most belong was a person? Mm. Um, and, and yet I'm not sure that even does it justice because there's a lot of complications with that. Right. Um, is this the healthiest relationship to be in? Is this the healthiest place to be? Anyway, I adored this book, um, but it is a gut punch for sure. But I really liked it. And now, of course, I do have to go back and read Conversations with right. Vince. Um, the last one for the month then is Trust Exercise. Comes out in April. Mm-hmm. I read this one on the recommendation of Hunter, who, shelf by shelf, uh, who is on our podcast occasionally. I He gave it five stars. Mm-hmm. And he and I frequently like trade reads back and forth. I'm so glad I finished this book. Mm-hmm. I will say it was almost a do not finish for me. Interesting. I kept reading because Hunter was there kind of cheering me on. I think readers, I think, okay, some people are going to say the less you know about this novel, the better. Okay. I'm going to say if you're like me and you get to page 75 and you think, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. There is a reason and you should press on. So Hunter was kind enough to tell me you should keep reading. And he named the page number, which I was like, how does he even remember the page number? Well, then you get there and you Uh realize how you know. Um, I won't give that much information away, but I will say again, if you are like me and you get to page 75 and you're like, I don't know, keep reading because I think you're going to, going to be glad you did Mm. that being said hunter kept describing this to me as stream of consciousness writing and i kept being like is that what this is there's there are no chapter breaks ever there are a couple of section breaks but they they're a long time coming Mm. so you read and you read and you read and you feel like am i ever going to finish this book um 80s school, 80s arts school, mm-hmm. like fame. Yeah. In our last episode, you were not done reading this yet. Yes. I think you just started it and you were describing it as breathless. Yes. And we speculated that, that that was maybe the point. Yeah, that I feel a little claustrophobic. Uh-huh. Do I think there's a payoff for that? For me, the payoff wasn't great enough. Okay. That being said, Hunter, who I love and adore and whose tastes I love and adore, loved this book. Five stars. Tyler from Avid Bookshop loved this book, gave it all the stars. So I think this is for a particular kind of reader. Mm -hmm. And I will say, much like when I finished Powering Through Dope Sick, I felt like, wow, I am so glad I finished Mm -hmm. this. Because it felt like I had finished a task, like Uh an arduous task. And I'm glad I did because I think she's doing something, Susan Choi is doing something really remarkable. It's just not 100% for me. Right. Um... And I think that actually brings up an interesting conversation around star ratings that, like, maybe is not clear to everyone. Yes. That, like, star ratings typically are supposed to represent 
how I felt about this book. Yes, they're not, subjective. Not the level of craft, the level of artistry, the objective rating of this That's book. That's right. Um, Hunter gave it five five stars because he really liked it. Yeah. Whether or not it is a very, very good and well put together book, yeah. a star rating exists. Yes, and do I think, and I think Hunter would tell you she is doing something really mm-hmm. special here um, where a a um, a critic mm-hmm. might give it a five star rating. Sure. Like a critic might say, "Yeah, this is she is remarkable." I think, and I think Kirkus Reviews did give it. Um, Kirkus Reviews gave it a star rating, uh-huh. um, but or it was a star review. Um, but it felt this. I'll tell you what it was. I finally understood what Hunter meant by stream of consciousness. Where, for example, I was trying to tell this to Kelsey on Saturday. Like, one of the characters, about three quarters of the way through the book, she becomes the main voice. And sometimes it's in first person, sometimes mm-hmm. it's in third mm-hmm. person. Okay, I can I can handle it. It's a little weird, but I can handle it. But then she would go off on these tangents. She would start talking about something, and then she would talk about the Greek and the original meaning of the word and Mm. what does Webster's Dictionary define it as Mm -hmm. and then after like a paragraph or two we would wrap back around to her original point well I skimmed those because (laughs) I was like I don't understand why this is important I don't understand Uh why somebody didn't edit this knowing someone did it that's the point exactly that's not meant to be edited out it looks like that intentionally (laughs) it's intentional but it is not for me as a reader sure but your attitude is not this is poorly done no. your attitude is this was not for me that's right because and that's I, healthy and good <laughs> because I totally think she's doing something that I think I just don't fully get or understand sure and I think Hunter did and I think Tyler did I think it it was it was a book that met them where they were mm-hmm. they got it I didn't fully get it like even yesterday I finished and I texted Hunter and I was like tell me you know how you felt I'm back talking to Chris. Sure. You know how you felt after the favorite and you yeah. were like, I'm not sure what that last scene meant. It's like, I liked it, but I'm not sure what that meant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I finished and I thought, I'm going to sound like a dunce here, mm-hmm. but is this question supposed to be left unanswered mm-hmm. or did I miss it? Mm-hmm. Like, do I need to go back? Like, I really did go back and kind of flip through the last few pages thinking, wait a minute. Um, it is a task to finish this mm-hmm. book and it is one I don't know if everyone will be glad they did mm-hmm. I think this could easily have been a do not finish for me except I really trust Hunter and and I'm glad for me I'm glad I read it will everyone feel that way probably not probably not but that's great yeah and that's why reading is good and and that's why I firmly believe you need a fellow reader who like reads to yes. your exact tastes I think because then you can kind of mm-hmm. be book whispers for each other I think you need a reader in your life who stretches you and pushes you. And Hunter is that for me because we don't always read the same genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you need a reader who's encouraging you to read fun, like hard, like whatever mm-hmm. that yeah. is for you. I think you need other people in your life kind of helping you along. Hunter was like my Yoda through this trust <laughs> exercise uh, because I really probably wouldn't have finished it were it not for his recommendation. Um, and I'm very glad I did. Is it for everyone? I'm not sold on that. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's good. But it was a good um, month. Yeah, that sounds like a good month. You didn't have any duds. I didn't have any duds, and they were all, like, talking to them to you. Like, I'm so glad I read each of them. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I finish one, and I'm like, I liked that, but I'm never going to remember that. Mm-hmm. 
these I actually And we've encountered liked. that sometimes. And yes. And have been like, oh, I read that. Yes. And this month I'm like, no, each of these was really unique and interesting and I'm glad I read them. That's great. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like our secret monthly show Unpopular Opinions, you can find us at patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. I was working the floor by myself and... Sometimes it's been a while since I've worked the floor alone and you forget just how many mm. people come in mm-hmm. the bookshop on a daily basis. But somebody came in and they looked around, they'd like they'd walked through the kind of the first half of the store. And then it, she asked me if we carried tart warmers. And I was like, it took me a second to remember what that was. I didn't know what that was at first. I was like, no, we really don't. And she was like, you know, melts little candle things. And I was like, oh, no, we don't carry those. You might try the little gift shop down the street. You know, always Mm -hmm. try to recommend other locally owned businesses where you can find those things. But I just was dying laughing at myself because at first I definitely was picturing like a tart warmer. Like I'm British and I drink tea and I need something to set. Just like, you know, you have those things where you set your cup of coffee Uh and it keeps them warm. I was like, is that what... You need one of those, like, warm up a pastry every well, morning. Pastry, but also a tart in <laughs> British, yeah. British English is a, a particular kind of woman. And I was like, I was like <laughs> well, whatever it is. I just kept thinking, no, we don't sell tart warmers here. <laughs> and the question maybe still was a little odd, but we do carry a lot of candles. Yeah, no, and when it, I, I think that's a fair question. And when I googled what a tart warmer was, I was like, okay, oh, no. We my don't. mom had one on our stove. Okay. That, like... It didn't. It was just for decoration. We didn't use it very often. Yeah. But like, you put the tea light under it, and yes. then it warms the the wax, yeah. the smelly wax, mm-hmm. potpourri wax, whatever you want. To whatever it is. Anyway, smelly it, wax is a better term for it. <laughs> smelly wax. Do you have a smelly wax warmer? What are they feeding you? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>